0: Uh, tonight, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can get there. We're still in our series called God Fulfills His Promises. And tonight's teaching is called The Battle is the Lord's. And if you've read this chapter 10 before, you know there's a lot of battles going on right there. And God has promised us victory over those things in our lives and these battles that so, can so easily defeat us. Because there's so many things going on. But the battles in this life are our Lord's. All the battles are his. And what we do is we fight on our knees. We fight in faith with the promises of God's word. We live by the promises of God's word in his Bible, in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Joshua chapter 10. And we're going to start off in verse 1. Uh, and it says this. Now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it. In doing to Ai its kings as he has done to Jericho and its kings that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and became their allies. You know, Josh talked last week about this confederacy that they had. They were getting ready to come together against them. Now, it's interesting because there was no TV, no radio, or social media. Nobody got an email saying that this had happened. But the word traveled very fast through the land that this was what what was going on. About the victories and also this peace treaty that reduced these Gibeonites, Gibeonites to slavery. And God will use this defeat of AI this, to form a battle plan. Now, there were mistakes made. Joshua had made some mistakes, but that's okay. And the same is with us. You know, sometimes we make mistakes that embarrass us, and especially the mistakes that we make because we're running ahead of our Lord. Sometimes we can get out of head of God on things And we're not seeing his will or seeking his will in our lives. And we can make mistakes. And that can be embarrassing. But I want you to remember this. There are no mistakes that are final for a Christ follower. No mistakes are final for a Christ follower. Because God can use every misstep and every mistake to accomplish his purpose and his will for his glory. Everything. You know, some people define success as this, the art of making mistakes when nobody's looking. You ever heard that? People like that. But as a Christ follower, our definition should be the art of seeing victory when other people only see defeat. Because with our God, we have victory in Jesus Christ on the cross. Now this king, this Adonai Zedai, his name means Lord of Righteousness. And what it said there, he was alarmed. And he was rightly alarmed when he had heard about this conquest of Jericho and Ai. Especially troubling, especially troubling was the news that they had totally destroyed everything in Jericho. And that is that they had brought this unique judgment of God against the Canaanites, but they didn't take any plunder or profit from the cities. That's kind of not heard of, is it? Because if you've watched any of these things, what happens when they plunder the city? They take everything, but they didn't take anything from that. And then in verse 2, it says this He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city. Like one of the royal cities, it was larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. So they're very much alarmed about what they're seeing. And the Israelites' army was fighting for the glory of God. And they were a unique instrument of God's glory and his judgment. And that's what made the people afraid. Because they weren't going in it to get the riches. They were going in it because they were sent by God for his glory. And but like our spiritual enemies that attack us, they didn't retreat. What do our spiritual enemies do? They launch bigger attacks. And that's what they're getting ready to do here in this verse. And for us, that's what happens with our spiritual enemies. They continue to launch attacks at us all the time. And in verse 3 it says, So Adonai Zadak, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king... King of Jermoth, Jepiath, king of Lashis, and Dareb, the king of Eglon. Now, what they were doing is they were acting in fear. They were all acting in fear because they had, they had saw what happened, and they were organizing the kings of the south region for that. And in verse 4, it says this: Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. And all good military leaders know that the best defense is what? A good offense. And we've heard that. Pastor Joey talked about that. And that's exactly what this king was doing. Their intelligence knew that Joshua was still in Gilgad. But he was ready to attack. So what did they do? They formed an alliance. And since Israel occupied the land in the north, it took the leadership of this one king to bring them together. They had a common bond and that common bond was fear. Because they feared what was going on and fear united them. You know, What's interesting is about the human spirit that causes us to turn away from our neighbors and even the mistrust that we have our neighbors until we share a common fear or a common bond. And they had a common bond, a common threat, and that was their fear that they had. And fear can unite people for the wrong reasons, can it not? We see this all the time. Fear unites us for the wrong reasons. And these armies and these kings, they were assembling. Nothing was bringing them together except this common bond of fear. But we also have a common bond, don't we? We have a common bond, and that's our faith. It's our faith in Jesus Christ. And we're united in Christ, the hope that we have in God's word. And the promises that he has for us. If fear helps them have this common bond, these kings had much to fear. And they had a lot in common because they were afraid. But they were very clever too. They were clever because they were plotting to do something. In verse 5 it says this, the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lacius and Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up position against Gibeon and attacked it. You know, when I read this, there's a, a psalm, Psalm 2, and I want to read that to you, but I think God must have been laughing about this when he saw these kings and the, them come together. Psalms 2:1 through 4 says this. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointing saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He's literally laughing at them, thinking that they can join together and defeat him. Because unknowing to them, they didn't know what was going on, but God was using all of this to accomplish what he wanted, his purpose for his glory. Instead of Joshua having to defeat five individual armies, God's going to allow him to do it all at one time. He's going to take all these together and he's going to say, guess what? I'm going to hand them all over to you, and you're going to be able to accomplish this All in one time. In Romans 8.28 it says this. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. And Joshua was called according to his purpose. To rid the land of sin. And that's what he was doing. And God was just there laughing at these kings because he goes, that's okay. All of you can band together because I can take you all out at once. And that's what was happening. And then in verse 6, it says, The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us. Because all the Amorite kings from the hill countries have joined forces against us. Joshua and the armies of Israel were still in Gilgad, and they knew that. And this was a very important place, a very important place for Israel as they moved forward. Gilgab, if you remember, was a place of memorial, a place of radical obedience that the Israeli people had. It was a place of remembrance of their salvation, and it was a place where the manna stopped. And that's where the place where they began to live from the promise, in the promised land on what God had been providing for them. Just like these Gibeonites, they claim protection on basis of the covenant that Joshua had made with them, this treaty that he made with them. And we have a new covenant as well. And we participate in that new covenant, and that new covenant is with Jesus Christ. These people, when they came to destruction, what did they do? They called on Joshua, and Joshua means Jehovah is Savior, they would obtain his protection because he said he would do that. And as sinners, we need to realize our sin situation and turn to Yeshua in faith, our Lord. Turn to him, our Savior. They turn to Joshua because of his promise of protection, and that's what we need to do. In the battles of life that we face, Each and every day, we need to turn to God and the promises in his word. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And we turn the whole burden, the battle, over to Jesus. We trust him and we trust the promises that he makes to us. In light of this covenant that we have with God, I think it's a good prayer or something to say like this, Lord, don't forsake your servants. Save us and help us each and every day. When we feel like the battle is overcoming us and we're being overwhelmed by our circumstances, like I said, we don't pray about the circumstances. We pray to the God of those circumstances. That's what we do. And then in verse 7, it says, So Joshua marched up from Gilgath with his entire army, including the best fighting men. And we should take our word just as seriously as Joshua did. He didn't turn his back on them, although his treaty basically said, we won't kill you. But he's taking his word seriously that he's going to protect them. In Matthew 5.37, it says, but let your yes be your yes, and your no be your no. We should all have this same sense of honor in our speech when we talk to people, in what we say, and what we do. People see what we say, hear what we say, but they see how we act. The example that we have towards them to be like Christ. And now we're going to see God's command and his promise to Joshua in verse 8. Because Joshua is going to call on the Lord. And there's a couple factors that happen in this that, sh- that give Joshua this success. And the first one was believing in God's word. Believing in the divine promise that God told him that he would be with him. It says this, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Amen. That's for us too, isn't it? We can claim that promise from God. Joshua was claiming that. He was standing strong and courageous because he knew that his God was with him. And our God is with us each and every day. And this is a command. Do not be afraid. Don't let the things of this world get you down. Though Joshua did have a reason to be afraid, he was getting ready to face five armies and five kings. And God said, don't fear them. Don't fear them at all. Because what he said was, remember my promise. The promise that I give to you. And Joshua could obey the command and not fear because of God's promise of victory to him. That same victory that we claim each and every day. Because fear takes away our ability to fight God's battles. Even in the face of these strong enemies, Joshua was commanded not to feel fear. For Joshua, fear could lead to unbelief. And it can do the same thing for us. When we fear something, it can lead to unbelief. Because what's the opposite of fear? Faith. Amen? It's we live by our faith. Joshua's actions illustrate something very, very important to us, and that's our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ for everything that we have. Romans 10, 17 says this, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And we believe the promises of God, and we obey the commands of God by faith. It's not by fear. It's Lord, increase our faith each and every day so that we can follow you and we can be obedient to your word. We act in faith and we trust God and we can expect God's help in the battles that we face each and every day. And as the Lord increases our faith, we can believe his word more and more each and every day. God has already promised us victory. God's promises would be fulfilled. Why? Because it says this in 1 Kings, 1 Kings 8, 56. It says, Praise be the Lord who has given rest to his people, Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed for all the good promises he gave through his servant, Moses. God's promises never fail, do they? Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can count on that. And the second thing, Joshua was wise. Joshua made good decisions. He had a sound strategy. In verse 9, it says this. After an all-night march from Gilgad, Joshua took them by surprise. And he did this with the assurance of God's promises. Joshua now, he didn't sit back passively and watch God work without his participation. He went to great effort to participate in this work and the will of God. And I want to ask you tonight, how are you doing? How are you doing participating with the will of God? You know, if you want to experience God in a fresh and exciting way, look where he's working and join in there. Be a part of it who can be against us. I'm already at the last page, John. Thank you for that. (laughs) Did you get my notes earlier? Thank you for that. I appreciate that. But if we want to experience God like that, we need to join in with him. This march from Gilgad to Gibeon was about 3,300 feet up. It was very high. It was a distance of about 20 miles. And it took about 8 to 10 hours for them to march. It was a long march for them. And the road was all uphill. And I can tell you, just getting back from Israel, you know, that's why they always say in Scripture, it says ascending to Israel. Everything's uphill there, both ways. And it's, it's steps and it's... It's dirt, and it's, everything is uphill, so it's ascending. So these guys had to have been tired. I know I only walked five miles, and I was tired. So they had to have been very tired. And we get tired like that. But here's the thing. The Lord's with us. The Lord was with them, and the Lord will be with us. And God does his work, but what he does is he draws us into kingdom work with him. He draws us into that work with him. Often God sits and waits for our initiative. Our willingness to partner with him before he does what only he can do. Because sometimes we pray and we wonder why God isn't moving. And we know it's the answers to prayer are yes, no, and wait. And a friend of mine told me that waiting part of that is the growing part. We grow when we wait on the Lord. When we participate with him In his work. And God wants to draw his people in partnership with him, seeking him, seeing his work being done, surrendering to his will, and depending on God and God alone. We don't depend on ourselves. And here I think this is a great part for this because faith apart from works is dead. And Joshua provided his faith by making wise decisions. And when we believe God's promises, we can make wise decisions as well. And the victory is assured us. Amen. And then in verse 10, it says this. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran and cut them down all the way to Azac and Machedadak. The enemies of God were confused, and they were defeated. With the Lord, Joshua could accomplish some great things, and that's the same thing with us today. Apart from God, we can't, but with God, we can do great things with him. And then in verse 11, it says, as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth-haran to Azadek, the Lord hurled large large hailstones down on them, and the more of them died from the hail then were killed with the sword of the Israelites. The hailstorm that killed these retreating armies. It was obviously a miracle, wasn't it? It was a miracle. You know, some people say that, well, it was an act of nature. Well, the hailstorm could have been a phenomena of nature, but its aim and its timing is evidence of God's hand, isn't it? Because only the enemy was hit. It wasn't the Israelites. Only the enemy was hit. And God's miraculous work was much greater than anything. Anything that we can do. And I, and I ask myself, and I'm asking you, why do you think he sent hailstones down? Why do you think that he did that? Well, the answer is in Leviticus. In the Old Testament, this was a punishment for blasphemy. And it says this, Take the blasphemer outside the camp, all those who heard him and lay their hands on his head and the entire assembly is to stone him. So to the Israelites, anyone who curses their God will be held responsible. In the New Testament, for us, the blasphemy, the unpardonable sin, this blasphemy is against the Holy Spirit. The unpardonable sin is the unforgivable sins saying no to the Holy Spirit we say to the Holy Spirit, when he speaks to us and he convicts us of our sin and we say, no, we don't need to repent, we don't need to be saved, that's blasphemy. That's blasphemy against and that's an unpardonable sin against the Holy Spirit. And it was no coincidence that only the hail hit the enemy. Because it was God that used a special ammunition out of his storehouse. And it says that in Job 38, verse 22. It says, Have have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? God was in that. He was there. That was his ammunition. He was fighting the battle for them because God did what only he could do. And he does that in our lives. God can only do what he can do. We can't do these things without God. Yet we notice that Joshua didn't wait around. Joshua, what did he do? He prayed. Joshua prayed and it says that the Lord listened to him. And Jesus said this to us. He said this in John 15, 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, and that's continued relationship, a continued prayer with him, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I think Joshua knew that. He could do nothing apart from God. He knew that he needed God for this. In James 4, 2, it says this. You do not have because you don't ask. The reason we don't have things is we don't come to God in prayer and we don't ask him for these things. What Joshua was doing was calling upon the Lord in prayer. And we need to do that on a daily basis. We need to have fellowship with our Lord. It's about the relationship that we have with him in prayer. Being connected in the vine." With our Lord. In verse 12 it says this. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel. Now he's making this known in front of everyone. Sun, stand still over Gibeon. And you moon over the valley of Ajon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped. Till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Joshua. Now, the book of Jashar is also mentioned in 2 Samuel. If you want to take a look at that, it was a probably a collection of historical events that they put to the music. You can look at that in 2 Samuel. But the sun stopped in the middle of the day, and the sky and the sky delayed from going down about a full day. You know, this hailstorm was a miracle, wasn't it? But it's nothing compared to this miracle of extending the day and the reason that the day was extended so the battle could be finished so that they could win this battle over the enemy seeing God's miraculous hand in action gave Joshua the boldness to ask for even a bigger more remarkable miracle and that should be the same with us when we see God working in our lives we should be encouraged to continue to pray and seek him for greater miracles in our lives. But he was trying to keep this day going, keep the sun from going down because he wanted to accomplish this victory before darkness fell. And seeing God at work in our lives should also encourage us and increase our faith each and every day when we experience God at work. And Joshua, he spoke in faith. Joshua prayed for God's help. In the middle, middle of everyone, everyone was listening. And he said, the sun stands still and the moon stays. And this right here, this is where the rubber meets the road for us. When we pray to our God, it's one thing just to believe the word. It's another thing to cry out to the Lord, the victory is yours. And confess that in front of other people. Sometimes we go on record with our family in that we say things, but do we really mean that? Do we really proclaim that the Lord's victory is his? The victory is won by him for him and his glory and his glory alone. It's not enough for us to say, well, I believe that and raise my hand at an altar call. It's another thing to confess with your mouth and say that I have received the salvation from Jesus Christ and confess with our mouths. In Romans 10, 9, it says this, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe that you are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Sometimes we don't do that, do we? Why? Because I think we're afraid. I think we're afraid to do that, and we know fear is the opposite of faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God, isn't it? Hebrews eleven six it says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Amen. Amen. And we should be doing that each and every day. There comes a time when we must go on record and exercise our faith verbally that we are saved. And when we do that like Joshua and we proclaim in front of other people the goodness and the graciousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, things happen. It's our faith at work. And God answered Joshua in a remarkable way. And why did he do that? Because our God can be counted on. Each and every day, our God can be counted on to deliver that. And God is not indifferent to our concerns and our problems. He knows that. That's why Jesus came to this earth, and he was fully man, so he could experience everything that we do, and he knows that. And as his children, he has promised that he will guide us and that he will be with us. He has promised us victory over all those things in life that can so easily defeat us. And we can count on God and we can count on his word. Remember, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we look at this miracle and some people say, well, you know, I don't know how that works because how did the sun stop? But, you know, we don't have an issue with sunrise and sunset, do we? you guys know that the sun doesn't rise and the sun doesn't set? The earth revolves. The earth rotates around the sun. Everything revolves around the sun, and that's the same thing with us. Everything revolves around the sun. That's Jesus Christ. Everything revolves around him. And we don't wonder about how the sun rises and the sun sets. It really doesn't matter. The point is the day was prolonged. It doesn't matter the specific way that it happened, but it was God. In Jeremiah 32, 17, it says this. "Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arms. Nothing is too hard for you. In Psalm 74, 16, the day is yours and yours also the night. You establish the sun and the moon. The simplest answer we can have about these miracles is it was faith. It's with faith. It's faith. Everything God has created is his servant. Everything. And we believe in God for nothing's impossible for him. Doesn't matter what the method was, but God intervened and he changed the tide of that battle. In verse 14, it says, There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. And we know God hears our prayers, don't we? He listens to us. And it says, Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. When Joshua returned with all the Israel to the camp at Gilgad, God extended this day to maximize Israel's victory for his glory. And he does the same thing in our lives. The victories that we have are for his glory. It doesn't matter how it was done. You know, Joshua wanted time to stand still. Anybody here ever want that? Anybody ever want time just to stand still so we can get our... But the reason Joshua did it was to glorify God. And it was for the advancement of the kingdom of God. So that it would continue without hindrances. And that the God's people would triumph in victory. And one thing was clear. That God listened To a human being. He listened to Joshua. And he hears each and every one of our prayers. And now we're going to see the completion of these battles in verse 16 and through there. It says, Now the five kings had fled and hidden in the cave of Mechadah. When Joshua was told that the five kings had been found hiding in the cave, he said, Roll a large stone to the mouth of the cave and post some men there to guard it. Joshua delayed dealing with these kings so he could finish the battle Yet in time, he would deal with them. In verse 19, it says, But don't stop, pursue your enemies. Attack them from the rear, and don't let them reach their cities. The Lord your God has given them into your hands. Verse 20, So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely, completely. But a few survivors managed to reach the cities. So we're seeing this mop-up operation. He's mopping up everything. He's taking care of this. He's doing what he was commanded. And he was commanded to not leave any of these enemies in the land. You know, Joshua didn't sin the way Saul did. Remember Saul's sin? Remember Saul in uh, 1 Samuel? Saul said, well, I did take care of all the enemies. He said, well, why am I hearing, Samuel said, why am I hearing these cows lowing? right? Because stakes are good. That's what it was. There was good stakes there. But he did not, Saul did not follow God's commands like Joshua did. Joshua carried them out to the T, exactly what he was told to do. And then verse 21, it says, the whole army then returned safely to Joshua in the camp of Machedah. And that one uttered, a, no one uttered a word against the Israelites. The people knew that God was with Joshua and the nation of Israel. And the church should be like this as well. That people should know that God is here. That he's present within the church. And if you come to this church for any length of time, God should be conquering you as well. God should be conquering you. The Holy Spirit should be speaking into your lives. And what should happen is we should submit to him. We should submit to his will and surrender our lives to him. And now we're going to see the execution of these kings. In verse 22, it says, Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring these five kings to me. So they brought the five kings out of the cave, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jermoth, Lashish, and Eglon. And when they brought them out, the the kings to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel and said to the armies, Commander, who had come with him? Come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. Placing their feet on the necks of their captives was a common military practice. And this was very dramatic and it was undeniably very brutal as well. But Joshua was directed to do this. And this was giving his men courage, I believe, because they were victorious and they were obedient to the Lord. Because God had not allowed any of these kings to conquer, conquer them. And this symbolized the dominance of them. These kings had boasted about how proud they were. They had boasted about their power. And we see that sometimes, don't we? In Proverbs 16:8, it says this, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. All could see that God was superior to any earthly army and God promised victory to all the all, for over all their enemies and that same promises for us today in verse 25 it says Joshua said to them do not be afraid do not be discouraged be strong and courageous this is what the lord will do to your enemies you are going to fight with god's help they defeated five armies in verse 25 these words must have thrilled these soldiers because it echoes the words that God first spoke to Joshua in the beginning. And since Joshua was a type of of Jesus Christ, that we can see this and we can apply these words in our lives as well. Because one day, Jesus will defeat all our enemies, will he not? He will come back and he will defeat all those enemies. He will destroy all of them. Because he says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. And God will give us these similar victories in our lives because God is protecting each and every one of us. And God empowered Joshua and he empowers us as well. Reminding, he wants to remind us of God's faithfulness in the past. And when we see God's faithfulness in the past, it gives us hope and encouragement for the struggles that are present and in the future. And everything that lies ahead of us. In Psalms 110, it says, The Lord says to my, my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet, putting your feet on top of their necks. And 1 Corinthians 15.25, For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. Through Christ, we can claim victory and put our feet on the necks of our enemies. In Romans 16, 20, it says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet. Amen? Amen. And we know that. But this account also warns us to be alert. It warns us to be prayerful, not to let the enemy deceive us, to let us start walking in our own strength, to walk by sight because we walk by faith. When we walk by sight, it can lead to poor decisions, unwise decisions. We need to walk by faith. This is an encouragement for each and every one of us tonight. And the thing is that every time we make a mistake, God can take our mistakes and our blunders and turn them into blessings. Each and every one of them. We can't do that, but he can. And then verse 26, it says, Then Joshua put the kings to death and exposed their bodies on five poles, and they were hanging on the poles until evening. This was pretty dramatic, but it needed to be done. Because there is no place for sin in our lives. And that's what God's saying. There is no place at all for sin to get rid of it. And then, verse 27: at sunset, Joshua gave the order, and they took them down from the poles and threw them into the cave where they had been hiding. At the mouth of the cave, they placed the large rocks, which are there to this day. Joshua performed this public ceremony for encouragement and strength for his soldiers, to show them that past, and in the future past victories, they have this monument of how God led them. It was a monument of the power and the victory in Jesus Christ. And then verses 28 through 32, it shows how the other cities are being conquered. You know, it says this, he put the city and its kings to the sword and totally destroyed everyone in it. All the Is- Israel's victories came from the Lord. The Lord also gave them the cities and the kings into Israel's hands. You know, everything came from God. All the victories came from Him, and He deserves the credit and the praise for that. In verse thirty-three through forty-one. It says this. We're going to go through these real quick. They took the city and put it to the sword. He totally destroyed all that breathed, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had commanded. You know, sometimes God's commands are tough for us to hear. As he said, he wanted to kill all of them. He killed all of them. It's tough, but we need to be have faith in our Lord. And follow his commands to the T like Joshua did. And what he's doing with these last, th- these last verses as you go back and read it, he's saying there's no room for sin in our lives at all. None. You need to get rid of it all. All sin needs to be getting, gotten rid of out of our life. And God commanded Joshua to take leadership in ridding the land of sin so God's people could occupy it. You know, Joshua did this to the T And when God orders us to stop sinning, we must must not pause, we must not debate, consider the options, negotiate, or compromise God's word at all. Or even try to rationalize what he says. Instead, we should be like Joshua and we must be swift and complete in our actions. We must be diligent in avoiding relationships and activities that could lead us into sin. This was a lot of war, wasn't it? A lot of things were going on there. And Joshua defeated his enemies with a single-edged sword. In Hebrews 4.12, it says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You know, when we fight our battles, we fight on our knees, and we fight with the Word of God. The double-edged sword that is right here, and, and when we went over the armor of God, that's what we fight. And that's God's desire for us, that we would live in victory. And 2 Corinthians has said that we shall be transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. The Lord God fought for Israel. And the most important factor there was that he fought for them and he continues to fight our battles today against our spiritual enemies. And we can see and he, see the victories that God has for us. He provides us the victory and then we walk in that victory. And when we realize that, we have peace. In Colossians 2.15 it says this, Having disarmed the principalities and powers, he has made a public spectacle of them, just like hanging the kings up, triumphing over them in the cross. We triumph in victory in the cross with Jesus Christ. And now here's your verse, John. At the very end. Yes. We've already heard it. We are conquerors him and if he is for us, who can be against us? And the scripture closes with this last verse in forty three. It says, "Then Joshua returned with all of Israel to the camp of Gilgal. They returned to, with everyone to this camp, and Israel's victories came from the Lord. And they were at Gilgal. This was a place of faith, a place of commitment. But I think that every time they mention this, it's a place of rest." and spiritual renewal for them. And I think we all need that. We need a place of rest and spiritual renewal where we can find a spiritual Gilgal in our lives. A place where we can return each and every day and say, thank you, Lord. The victory is yours because you fought on my behalf. When we're tired and we need rest, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, it says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our hope and our trust are in God's word, his promises to each and every one of us. Jesus came to rescue us when we were undeserving and unworthy of it, Because even though we are faithless and sometimes we are not faithful to him, God is always faithful and generous to each and every one of us. And the victory, he has overcome the world, and that comes from our faith. And we can count on God and his promises. Everything that he has promised us, the victories that he has promised us, that we can count on him